We are going to continue our series that we're calling This Is Love that we started last week. 1 John 4.10 is basically our primary scripture that we've been reading. 1 John 4.10 says this, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. That's the name of the series. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This week, we're going to talk about the love that God has for us. This is the first step in understanding how to live a life of love is understanding God's love for you. God's love for each of us. So we need to walk in the love of God. We need to believe that God loves us. So let's read a few basic foundational scriptures. John 3.16, that's a favorite. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved the world that he made an incredible sacrifice. Jesus came here to make that sacrifice. So God's love for this broken world is profound. Giving your son, that's powerful, powerful stuff. God's love is strong and powerful. Second Peter 3, 8 and 9 says this, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So we see God is patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. God's love is powerful. It's there for this broken world. It is there for everyone. God wants everyone everyone to come to repentance and no one to perish. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the great commission even can be seen from the perspective of God's love for this world. Here's what it says there. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Why did Jesus send them out to all nations, to the whole earth? Because God's love extends to all nations, to the whole earth. And the message, the gospel, the good news of the love of God, the redemption of God, the forgiveness of God being grafted into the family of God needs to go out to all people all around the earth. It's the love of God that motivates these things. So it's very important for us to understand the love God has for us. So this is not fairy tale religion. The love of God is not fairy tale religion. God loves you right now. If you sang the song as a kid, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. If you sang that song as a kid, but then you kind of grew out of it and you thought, I'm not so sure. That's just kids songs. It's not really true. I'm calling you back home. I'm calling you back to love your Lord with a childlike faith. We must love the Lord 
just simply like that childlike faith. Yes, Jesus loves me for the Bible tells me so. If you don't understand the love God has for you, the love God has for others, and the love God has for his kingdom, for his plan, then you're going to miss the point of Christianity. You're going to misunderstand what this is all about. The foundation of Christianity is the love God has for people, for individuals, for you and for your neighbor, for all the peoples of the earth. And he wants to bring them into his kingdom. Love is the foundation of that. If we don't understand the love of God, we're not going to understand the kingdom of God. We're not going to understand the main point of Christianity. I want to just briefly mention two bad foundations. Most people are going to acknowledge that God loves them. You know, God loves others, that sort of thing. But is it practically in your heart, the first thing that's there? That's kind of what I want to deal with today. But let's talk about two bad foundations for Christianity. So the first one, I don't want to go to hell. So I want to follow Jesus. (laughs) Okay, I guess that's a decent start. Uh, It's good to want to avoid going to hell. I appreciate that. But when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He didn't talk about, you know, escaping hell. He talked about loving God. Love is the foundation. Go from that kind of base, punitive mentality of your relationship with God. Like, I don't want to get in trouble, you know, like a second grader in the principal. What you want to do is you want to have a family relationship, your loving father in heaven, and come into that understanding of God. So if your foundation is fear of condemnation, You're not going to really understand the things of God. Grow through that. Let perfect love cast out fear, the fear of condemnation, the fear of judgment, and come into the love of God. Then you'll begin to see the truths of God in a much deeper way. And then another bad foundation, and this one's actually super bad. That is, I'm right and you're wrong, or we're right and you guys are all wrong. That's a very dangerous foundation. If people are you know, defending their faith because they're the right ones and everybody else is wrong. It's extremely dangerous. The Apostle Paul briefly deals with this in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, which is a really interesting little prelude to his discussion of talking about food sacrifice to idols. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, various different topics. One of them is food sacrifice to idols. Let me read the first three verses of chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians. It says this, Now about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. That's a weird thing. And then he goes on and talks about, you know, food sacrifice to idols. But what is he doing here? What he's doing is he's calling out people who are wanting to be right. And they're wanting to have this right, but they don't love people. They don't love God. They don't understand the love of God. They don't love other people. They just want to be right. And those people be wrong. And what Paul says is those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. You ought to know it in relationship with the love of God for other people the love of God for you, how God loves them and wants to help them come into the truth. If you just are all proud of how right you are and how wrong other people are, then you're not acting in love. That's that knowledge that puffs up, but love builds up. So we want to make sure 
that we're understanding the love of God, not getting caught into a punitive relationship with God where we're just afraid of hell, but let perfect love cast out fear so that you can love God and understand the love of God for you. And don't let the foundation be, I'm right and you're wrong, we're right, they're wrong. That's not a foundation to stand on. That actually does quite a bit of damage. So we need to understand God's love for us. Super, super important. And I want to look at three beliefs that people have that can hinder them from having a childlike faith in the love that God has for them. We want to understand, yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. So we're going to look at three beliefs that can hinder this. First one, I'm not worth it. Some people think, you know, how can God, the creator of the universe, the Alpha and the Omega, the Almighty, how can he love me? I'm not worth that. Well, are you worth Jesus dying on the cross for? Are you worth his sacrifice? I want you to get to the place where you understand that. And I want to go there. I'm going to try to make that point by talking about a World War II veteran named Desmond T. Doss. Desmond T. Doss. This Memorial Day weekend, so I think uh, talking about people serving in the military is a, a fantastic thing. Let me tell you a little bit about Desmond T. Doss. He was a medic, and uh, he was also a religious weirdo, if I may use that term. I watched a documentary called The Conscientious Objector that was about Desmond T. Doss. It was really, really amazing because he was a, you know, he was a religious weirdo. He was misunderstood because of his faith in God. And he really took very literally, thou shalt not kill. And he was a Seventh-day Adventist. You know, he read the Ten Commandments. He was a man of the scriptures. And he just believed, I can't kill people. I can't do that. God wouldn't have me kill other people. So he refused to kill people. So he refused even to carry a sidearm. He, he wanted to be a medic in the military in World War II, serving in the Pacific. And so in the documentary, there was all kinds of problems. You know, people were not understanding him. They ridiculed him. They even despised him because they're like, hey, you're not going to defend me. You're not even going to bring a weapon. We're going to be on the same battlefield together and you won't defend me. You know, they, they really thought he was a bad person for not being willing to do that. But the story really takes an amazing turn with the courage and the love for his fellow soldier that Desmond T. Doss showed. And he did amazing things on the battlefield without a weapon. And I have here the letter, the citation giving Desmond T. Doss, the Medal of Honor, is the only combat medic, and I think the only unarmed man to receive the Medal of Honor. So I want to read this and help you understand what this man did, and then try to build a bridge to that, to what Jesus has done. The President of the United States of America, authorized by Act of Congress, March 3rd, 1863, has awarded in the name of the Congress the Medal of Honor to Private First Class Desmond T. Doss, United States Army, for service as set forth in the following. Citation. Private First Class Desmond T. Doss, United States Army, Medical Detachment, 307th Infantry, 77th Infantry Division, near Urosamura, Okinawa, Ryukyu Islands, 29th of April to the 21st of May, 1945. 
He was a company aide medic when the 1st Battalion assaulted a jagged escarpment 400 feet high. As our troops gained the summit, a heavy concentration of artillery, mortar, and machine gun fire crashed into them, inflicting approximately 75 casualties and driving the others back. Private First Class Doss refused to seek cover and remained in the fire-swept area with many stricken, carrying them one by one to the edge of the escarpment and there lowering them on a rope supported litter down the face of the cliff to friendly hands. On the 2nd of May, he exposed himself to heavy rifle and mortar fire in rescuing a wounded man 200 yards forward of the lines in the same escarpment. And two days later, he treated four men who had been cut down while assaulting a strongly defended cave, advancing through a shower of grenades to within eight yards of enemy forces in a cave's mouth where he dressed his comrades' wounds before making four separate trips under fire to evacuate them to safety. On the 5th of May, he unhesitantly braved enemy shelling and small arms fire to assist an artillery officer. He applied bandages, moved his patient to a spot that offered protection from small arms fire, and while artillery and mortar shells fell close by, painstakingly administered plasma. Later that day, when an American was severely wounded by fire from a cave, Private First Class Dawes crawled to him where he had fallen 25 feet from the enemy position, rendered aid, and carried him 100 yards to safety while continually exposed to enemy fire. On the 21st of May... In a night attack on high ground near Shuri, he remained in exposed territory while the rest of his company took cover, fearlessly risking the chance that he would be mistaken for an infiltrating Japanese and giving aid to the injured until he was himself seriously wounded in the legs by the explosion of a grenade. Rather than call another aid man from cover, he cared for his own injuries and waited five hours before litter bearers reached him and started carrying him to cover. The trio was caught in an enemy tank attack and Private First Class Doss, seeing a more critically wounded man nearby, crawled off the litter and directed the bearers to give their first attention to the other man. Awaiting the litter bearer's return, he was again struck, this time suffering a compound fracture of one arm. With magnificent fortitude, he bound a rifle stock to his shattered arm as a splint and then crawled 300 yards over rough terrain to the aid station. Through his outstanding bravery and unflinching determination in the face of desperately dangerous conditions, Private First Class Doss saved the lives of many soldiers. His name became a symbol throughout the 77th Infantry Division for outstanding gallantry far above and beyond the call of duty. Signed, Harry S. Truman, October 12, 1945. So Private First Class Doss on one night drug 75 men to safety and on other days rescued multiple people. Let me ask you this question. Were those men worth it? Were they worth Private Doss? going to get them and rescue them. I'll tell you what, they were worth it to him. They were worth it to Desmond Doss. And he went and got them. Then the question is, is Jesus' death on the cross, are you worth it? Are you worth the sacrifice he made for you? Let me tell you this, you're worth it to him. You're worth it to Jesus. Those soldiers were worth it to Desmond Doss. You are worth it to Jesus. Now, 
Desmond Doss was a man of the scriptures. And I believe he had John 15 ringing in his ears. John 15, one section of it, verses 9 through 13 says this. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's talking about the sacrifice he's going to make and the love he has for his brothers. So John 15, 9 through 13 says this. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Desmond Doss loved his fellow soldiers enough to risk his life to rescue them. In one article I read, they said he had 17 pieces of shrapnel in him on that last day. 17 pieces of shrapnel, and he's still giving up his litter to someone else. He loved them that much. It valued them. Jesus loves you that much. You are worth it to Jesus. He loves you, and he shows you the love he has for you by his willingness to die on the cross for you. Are you worth it? Well, you're worth it to Jesus. You're worth it to almighty God. And you can understand that by understanding the love God has for you. If you don't know the love God has for you, then the cross doesn't make sense. Why would Jesus do that? Why would God, the father send his son? Well, because of the love he has, you're worth it to him. Just like those men were worth it. The private Doss. So you're worth it. Second hindrance, false belief. That's a hindrance. I'm too far gone. I've had, A bunch of people, you know, they always say things like, oh, you know, if I came into the church, it'd probably start on fire. I'd get struck by lightning or things like that. They say stuff like that. And they're half joking, but there's a a fear that they're too far gone, that they're too separated from God, that God will reject them. Let me tell you, you're not too far gone. I want to read a couple of sections of scripture about that. First Timothy chapter one, verses 15 and 16. The apostle Paul says this, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Jesus came to save sinners and the apostle Paul described here as the worst of sinners, is an example. If God came for the worst of sinners, you're not too far gone. That's an example. He is chosen as an example to show that he wasn't too far gone. You aren't too far gone. The apostle Paul, when he was Saul, before he came to know Jesus, devoted his life to snuffing out the church, snuffing out Christianity. That's who he was. And then he was saved, shown mercy to show none of us are too far gone. And then Luke chapter 15, a a classic, classic section of scripture where Jesus was accused of being a friend of sinners. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. People were saying 
And so Jesus wanted to describe why he would do that. And again, if you're a religious person and you think so-and-so shouldn't be hanging out with that messed up person, then you need to understand the love of God, the love God has for that messed up person. That's why Jesus ate with sinners and welcomed them is because God loved them and he's trying to help them, trying to reach them. But this is the parable of the lost son. I'm going to read the first part of it that deals with that lost son. It continues on talking about the older brother, but let's look at this individual and what he did to his father and how the father responded. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will go out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The point of that part of the parable is that the father's love overcomes our failures. This individual took half of everything that his father had built and wasted it on wild living. And there's later on, there's greater descriptions of that. He did bad things with his father's money, cut his wealth in half. And yet the love of the father overcame that. The prodigal thought I can be a servant. Maybe I'll see if my father will accept me. Father accepts him, puts a robe and a ring on him, kills the fattened calf. They have a celebration, brings him back as a son. You're not too far gone. Don't believe that. That's a lie. You're not too far gone. You can come home. So first two beliefs that hinder a childlike faith in God's love for you are I'm not worth it. And I'm too far gone. You're worth it to Jesus and you're not too far gone because the love of God overcomes that. Last one I want to talk about is God hurt me. God hurt me real bad. This is just bad theology. We don't have time to go into great depth with this, but we uh, recently finished up our series called Suit Up, talking about the full armor of God. I just want to reiterate two things that were in that section of scriptures in Ephesians chapter six. One was the shield of faith. And the other were flaming arrows. Now, where did the flaming arrows come from? And where did the shield of faith come from? The flaming arrows were from the evil one. And the shield of faith is from God. It's very important to understand that the flaming arrows are not from God. You understand me here? When you get hit by a flaming arrow, that's not God. That's the enemy. God has given you a shield of faith to extinguish the arrow, knowing that those arrows are coming. They're going to hit you. 
You have to extinguish them. It's not that the arrows aren't going to come because God loves you. No, we're in this fallen world. We're in the middle of a spiritual battle. So that's going to hit us. There's a danger though. The scheme of the devil is to get us to blame God for the flaming arrow. To say, oh, God hurt me when it was the devil who hurt you. If you attribute to God the actions of the devil, you're going to misunderstand the character of God. That's just bad theology. The shield of faith is from God. The flaming arrows are from the enemy. So understand the difference between what the enemy is doing and what God is doing. And then I was talking to someone recently who, you know, is dealing with the loss of a loved one. And they're, you know, asking God, what wouldn't a testimony have been better than this? As we were chatting, the movie Forrest Gump came to mind. And I don't know if you've seen the the movie Forrest Gump, but Lieutenant Dan, one of my favorite characters in that movie, had a, a terrible experience on the battlefield. He wanted to die a hero's death, but instead he lost his legs and and uh, he just had trouble processing that. There's a time where Forrest and Lieutenant Dan are on their shrimping boat and they get caught out in the middle of a huge hurricane. And Lieutenant Dan climbs up on the top of the mast and he's just screaming at God and he's having it out with God because he says, why would you have this happen to me? How come this is my life? And he had it out with God. If you need to go have it out with God, his shoulders are big. He can handle it. He knows you're hurting. Don't hide the fact that you're hurting. Go to the Lord with that. But when you go to the Lord with that and you work through it, that God is good, he'll give you a shield of faith. But the flaming arrows come from the evil one. And you can arrange those things in your mind the right way and see God for who he is and see his love for what it is. And his love is is strong. There's discipline in his love and those sorts of things as well. But understanding those things are good things, but the destructive things that come from the enemy, they're from the enemy and God wants to protect us from those. Go have your cathartic, have it out with God moment like Lieutenant Dan, and then come and understand the love God has for you. After that big storm, the shot of Lieutenant Dan just swimming uh, really showed the peace that he got to. And I believe you can come to that same place of peace if you feel God has hurt you. But go to him and have the conversation. So three beliefs that can hinder us from having a childlike faith in the love of God are that I'm not worth it. I'm too far, far gone. Or, but God has hurt me real bad. We need to overcome those. Understand you're worth it. You're not too far gone. And God is truly good. That's not fairy tale religion. That's truth. As we uh, start to wrap this up, for love to be made complete, it needs to be returned. It needs to be reciprocated. You know, have you ever loved someone who didn't love you back? Have you ever cared about someone and they didn't care about you? You know, that doesn't work very well. It's not made complete. It's a, it's a big problem. It can be very hurtful and very painful. And I just want to tell you this. Don't do that to Jesus. Jesus loves you. You just have to love him back. You just have to reciprocate. You just have to return the love of God. Private Doss that we read about who received the Medal of Honor. At first, he was not loved. He was ridiculed. He was despised. Uh, He was hated because he wouldn't carry a firearm. He was seen as a coward and a fool. But then when he showed who he truly was on the battlefield and he rescued scores of men, then they loved him back. They understood who he truly was. Their hearts were moved. And the interviews of the men who knew him, who were rescued by him, are so powerful. The emotion that they have for what he did, but also for the misunderstanding they had of who he was. So, so powerful. 
And I want to pull you that direction with God. Love Jesus back. He has made an incredible sacrifice for you. He loves you profoundly. Maybe you have a misunderstanding of who God is and and what's really going on there, but we just need to love God back. The greatest commandment doesn't make sense unless you know that God loves you. If you know God loves you and that a sacrifice has been made that's so profound just for you because you're worth it in his eyes, then you can love him back in the greatest commandment will make sense. So today I ask you to love God back. If you're a prodigal, come home. If you don't think you're worth it, look at yourself through his eyes. Those soldiers were worth it for private first class DOS. You're worth it to Jesus. Understand that you're worth it. Know that God is good. He is good all the time. Sometimes it's hard to see, but we know God is good. So our closing verse is going to be Mark 12, 29 and 30. I just want to let you know, if you have got a prayer need, go to prayer at goodhope.ag. They will pray for you. Whatever that prayer need is, doesn't matter what it is. Come give prayer through the miracle of the internet. Prayer at goodhope.ag. Shoot an email. They'll pray for you. They'll get back to you. They'll talk about that. If you are in a place where you know you haven't loved God like you should, and you want to get there, and you want to give your life to Christ. You want to say, okay, I've misunderstood. My theology was bad. I thought God hurt me, but he didn't. Uh, It was the enemy. It was the sin, darkness of this world. God was there for me. If you're at that place or you know, I just need to give my life to Jesus, this God who loves me. If you're at that place, I want you to pray and, and give your life to Christ right now. But I also want you to send me an email and let me know that you did. Pastor Mike at goodhope.ag. You send me an email, that'd be so great. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to encourage you. Mark 12, 29 and 30. Let me read that. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. We are to love our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But if we do this just out of obligation, I don't think it makes sense. If we return the love God has for us to him, loving him with all of who we have, because we see him for who he truly is, for the love he has for us and what he's done for us, then we can grab hold of the depth of the greatest commandment. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that your love is incredible. Your love knows no bounds. You love us, each one of us individually right now, no matter where we're at, no matter what we've been through, no matter what we think of ourselves, We were worth it to you, Lord Jesus, to die on the cross for us. Help us to understand that to you, we're worth it. Help us to understand we're not too far gone. Lord, help us to seek you for forgiveness and restoration and a place in your family, because that's what you want. That's what you see for us. That's what you desire for us. So if you're at that place where you need to say, yes, Lord, I'm in right now, just pray a prayer, ask God for forgiveness Pledge your life to walk with him and learn his ways. But Father, for all of us, help us to love you. Help us to just love you back, to simply return your love, reciprocate the great love you have for us back to you, humbled by what you've done, acknowledging your goodness and your love for us. Lord, we love you. We love you with our heart. We love you with our soul. We love you with our mind. 
And we love you with our strength. Lord, we give you praise. We honor you. You are so good. Thank you for what you've done for us. Help us to know your love for us, that we may love you fully and completely. In Jesus' name, amen.